Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's now time to enter the Sports Zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Played well on defense today. They'll bring four on this third down. Pressure that ball's out, and it could be a score. And it is touchdown from the Arizona defense. Cam Thomas comes up with the scoop after Gordak knocked it away from Howell. Fake Jones. He's gonna go in again. Touchdown. Two rushing touchdowns, two passing touchdowns. And they work out of an empty set. It's Jackson with a shovel pass. It's Andrews for the touchdown. His fourth catch of the drive. And Baltimore strikes first. Second and three. Burrow facing pressure. Goes over the top. Wide open is Chase. And he splits the defenders for the touchdown. Once again, the 3-2 pitch. And a fly ball get to center. He hit it well. Back of the warning track. Back of the wall. And it is gone. A home run for Corbin Carroll. A three-run shot. Three-nothing Diamondbacks. Boy, is that good to see. That ball was blasted. This is a big at-bat right here for Cody Bellinger. If indeed they pitch to him or work around him. Bellinger drives one in the air. That'll get the momentum back for the Cubs side. Get out the tape measure. Long gone to right field. Off the video board. Bellinger with a long home run, and the Cubs lead 7-2. Cousins hanging in. Cousins deep, and it's pulled in, and the ball comes out, but he is out of bounds at the as they drop it at the half-yard line, the beanbag at the half-yard line. After review... The fumble went over the pylon, which by rule is also the You have to have possession of the ball as it crosses the goal line in this situation. For it to be a touchdown, certainly, right. but he clearly loses control before he gets to the goal line. Right. You have to win and be sexy. What can I tell you? <laughs> to the outside. And then to the inside. Touchdown, Swift. So they took the ball at their own 25-yard line. Took them only eight plays, three and a half minutes, to make it a two-score game. Pass is picked again. Guess who? Number three for number three. What a night for Jordan Whitehead. It's the third career three-interception game for Josh Allen as Zach Wilson hands to Dalvin Cook. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Friday, September 14th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060, momentarily stumped there. KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. Cardinals, Giants, who you got ATS in Glendale? 
Ravens Bengals, who you got ATS in Cincinnati. Diamondbacks Cardinals, who wins the weekend series at Chase Field. Then uh, the two and zero Eagles, reason for concern or no big deal. NFL week number two, which surprise week one loser is most likely to bounce back? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we have the introduction of today's pipeline. 9.15, we'll have a uh, Ravens-Bengals preview with the latest on the, bang- the uh, Ravens excuse me, from Luke Jones. Uh, that'll include a lot of Ravens injury updates, which might take like half the segment. 9.30, interactive action, 602-260-1060, and also the local roundup including Cardinals, Sun Devils, and Wildcats uh, point spread updates, plus another dismal Diamondbacks loss to the Mets. Uh, Final segment of the Sports Zone will be the National Roundup, topped by the Rip from the Headlines portion and a little From the Wire. And then uh, after the Sports Zone, of course, from 10 to noon, it's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. That includes a preview of the NFL and college football weekend, plus our weekly uh, prop bet discussion. All right, on to the pipeline we go. Time for today's pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And as always, or most of the time, at least, pretty close to almost always, uh, we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. And today's question is who you got Sunday in Glendale, the Cardinals plus four and a half, or the Giants minus four and a half. And Kayla, what's up as far as the early returns? Well, the Giants minus four and a half is leading the way at 78% of the vote. And then the Cardinals plus four and a half, it's sitting at 22%. The Cardinals earlier this week were actually six point home underdogs at some locations, but that was before some of the injury issues with the Giants, including left tackle Andrew Thomas and tight end Darren Waller. Meanwhile, today's Twitter poll question, who you got Sunday in Cincinnati, a Ravens plus three or the Bengals minus three, and what's happening here, Kayla? Ravens plus three at 57.1% of the vote. Bengals minus three sitting at 42.9% on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. The Bengals coming off the worst performance in uh, Joe Burrow's brief career. Uh, while the Ravens were shorthanded last week in the win against the Texans, and John Harbaugh's team likely will be even more shorthanded this week. Meanwhile, on the local front, back to the local front we go. Uh, the Diamondbacks offense, awful again. The difference on Thursday was they were actually fe- featuring a, a pit, a facing, he tried to say, uh, a quality pitcher in Kodai Senga. Uh, who has now dominated the Diamondbacks twice this season. Uh, Do the Diamondbacks bounce back and win the three-game series this weekend against the Cubs? That starts tonight at Chase Field. Spanning the globe, the Eagles are 2-0, and and they've won 19 of the last 20 regular season starts by Jalen Hurts, but certainly plenty of criticism after less than dominant wins in the first two games against the Patriots and the Vikings, the two and zero Eagles reason for concern or no big deal. Meanwhile, NFL week two is often bounce back week. Uh, Buffalo, Cincinnati, Denver, Kansas City, the Los Angeles Chargers and Seattle were among the week one losers. Which NFL loser from week one is most likely to bounce back this week? 
Also, in addition to all these outstanding questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? All right, it's the pipeline for today. We've got all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else in your mind falls into the general discussion category. So, whether it is from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. That'll be followed by Ravens and Bengals preview. Luke Jones scheduled to join us from WNST in Baltimore. Lots going on with the Ravens. Uh, Off-season, preseason, except they didn't play in the preseason. The starters didn't play, but they never lose a preseason game when the starters don't even play. Uh, but certainly for the, you know, the, 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 the current Ravens, uh, lots of injury updates, unfortunately. So we'll go through those. How might the J.K. Dobbins injury change their offense? Who gets the bulk of the carries? Things like that. That you know might be fantasy related, but for me, really aren't. Just curious to see how this is all going to break down. So we'll cover that and more with Luke in the next segment. Bottom of the hour, phone call time. If you want to get in, general discussion. If you have any picks for the weekend, that might be a good time to get those in. 602 602- 260-1060. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7. Hey, football fans, this is the Rooster. Join me all day Sunday as No Huddle will be broadcasting live and giving away prizes from Social Tap, located in the heart of Old Town Scottsdale on the corner of Stetson and Drinkwater. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp and the James Gang and Joe Walsh on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7. You're home to the Dan Patrick Show, live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. The Ravens, far from healthy, uh, entering uh, Cincinnati this weekend. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. And we're now joined this sports by Luke Jones of WNST.net. And uh, good, always, always good to have you on the show, Luke. Let's start with uh, your, let's, what was your overview of the Ravens week one, 25-9 win against the, uh, against the Texans? As it pertains to, act, to the actual performance, Bob, it's about what I expected. I didn't expect the Ravens offense with, you know, this new, new weapons, new offensive coordinator in Todd Munkin, uh, a new commitment to throwing the ball more than they had in recent years under Greg Roman. I didn't expect them to come out and be firing on all cylinders, especially the team that did not play their starters in the preseason. So it was choppy on the offensive side of the ball. I would have liked to have seen them run the ball a little bit better. I mean, even putting aside the J.K. Dobbins injury, which I'm sure we'll get to in a moment. But yeah. you know, they, still, they still scored 25 points. You know, they, they still you know, they came out and they put together a couple good drives in the third quarter to really seize control of that football game. And see it, Bob. Uh, I mean, Kevin Zeitler, uh, the Ravens starting right guard, I mean, he, he flat out said after the game, look, we won the wild, wild west. I mean, we weren't happy with how we played, but, you know, this felt like the preseason for us because we didn't play in the preseason game. So, you know, offensively, work in progress. Not a big surprise there, and they were still productive. Defensively, uh, they, they did what you would expect uh, a good defense to do against a rookie quarterback, against a team with a rookie head coach against a team that I think is down to their third center already uh, and their backup right tackle. I mean, they really they were able to control that game. 
A.J. Stroud. He competed, but was not able, you know, the, the Texans were not able to sustain drives consistently. So the performance itself, while it wasn't their best performance, I certainly wouldn't view that as the absolute best football they can play, but they still won by two touchdowns. And uh, that's something that Cincinnati couldn't say in week one. That's something that Pittsburgh couldn't say in week one. So from an AFC North context, you're feeling good uh, about that. But, boy, when you, when you look at the injury picture, uh, it's tough to just look at the performance and, and not feel lacking, not feel concerned going into this week two matchup with the Bengals. Okay, that's going to be a primary focus here. Let's, you mentioned the J.K. Dobbins injury out for the season, unfortunately, with a torn Achilles. How does his absence change the offense? Todd Bunkin, now the offensive coordinator. And how might the Justice Hill-Gus Edwards distribution work out here? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it, the, the primary way that it transformed their offense is I think J.K. Dobbins was going to be the feature back. Now, that doesn't mean he was going to necessarily get 30, 30 touches a game, but he was going to be the clear-cut, in my mind, the clear-cut starting running back. I think now transitioning uh, to uh, Justice Hill and Gus Edwards, I think you're going to see much more of a, a committee approach. If this had been, the, you know, if we were talking in the past, uh, the Greg Roman offense, you'd probably look at Gus Edwards as kind of being the bell cow, or at least as much uh, of a bell cow as Greg Roman would have as a guy who had an affinity for playing multiple backs. But uh, I, I think you and I even talked in the preseason, and I made mention Justice Hill with the Ravens wanting to play more 11 personnel, wanting to get their players, including their running backs, out in space a little more, having their running backs factor in as a receiver out of the backfield a little bit more. I think it does lend itself to Justice Hill being a bigger part of this. However, Gus Edwards is their best pure rushing back at this point with Dobbins now on injured reserve and out for the season. So it's tough for me to handicap it, Bob. And, and I, yeah, believe me, I, I have my own friends ask me, who should I pick up? You know, uh, Gus Edwards or Justice Hill for fantasy? <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't right. know if it's going to be a, a very appealing fantasy situation uh, at all this year because I think it's really going to be matchup dependent. And because these guys have such diverse skills, and you're not going to view either one as necessarily being an every down kind of back, uh, I, I think it's probably going to be a little more 1 1A. Uh, and we even saw this last week. Uh, I mean, you know, Gus Edwards is still going to have his place in this offense. I thought he was, he was even with J.K. Dobbins, but. Hill does give you that receiving element probably a little bit better in pass protection. Uh, so it's tough for me to handicap it other than just saying this definitely feels like much more of a committee approach than it felt a week ago with J.K. Dobbins clearly atop the depth chart. Okay, Mark Andrews, obviously a Valley product. We've uh, you know, I've mentioned that to you many times before, I'm sure. Uh, didn't play in week one. Has been limited uh, in practice in week two. Do we expect him to play Sunday at Cincinnati? Yeah, Bob, it's, it's been a weird situation because I, I can recall John Harbaugh being asked about Mark Andrews, and this was probably a week and a half before the season started, and he was very dismissive of there being any concern. I mean, he even... You know, kind of flippantly said, tell the fans not to push the panic button. Mark Andrews is fine. And, you know, even the the, gen, the the origin of this, it was their second preseason game. They didn't play any of their starters, so he didn't play, of course. But their starters went through preseason, you know, pre-game warm-ups. He went through warm-ups and, you know, didn't see anything happen, anything like that. But then when they returned to the practice field a couple days later, that's when his absence began. So it's this lingering quad issue. He's practiced now on a limited basis each of the last two weeks. But 
you know, as was the case last week, and, and clearly it's a little different playing the Texans compared to playing the Bengals this week in Cincinnati uh, with the other injuries that they have. They certainly want them on the field. If you ask me yes or no right now, I, I, I lean towards yes, uh, but mainly because I thought they would just be an extra cautious last week. But this does feel like one of those quad injuries that you know, maybe has been a little tricky. Maybe he hasn't bounced back quite as quickly as they would have thought, given how Harbaugh talked about this two or three weeks ago. So I'm not 100% certain by any stretch of the imagination. I fully expect him to be listed as questionable. Uh, but I certainly feel better about his chances this week than last week. But even last week, until we got to the weekend, I, I was inclined to think we, we were probably going to see him based on what Harbaugh had said. So as you know, Bob, even in a division game in week two, have a lot of season left. We still have 15 games after Sunday. So uh, if there's any doubt in terms of Andrews not quite being right or not wanting to risk a setback or, or any kind of re-injury, uh, I think they'll still want to be cautious. But uh, I, he has looked better this week. So you know, I'm inclined to think I, I think he'll be out there. But again, I'm not quite sure. And the Ravens uh, and, and Andrews even yesterday talking in the locker room still kind of being vague and, and non-committal about it. But that's kind of the Ravens' way of talking about injuries. Left tackle Ronnie Stanley, starting center Tyra Linderbaum has missed practice time this week. Any idea what's the latest with those two guys? Yeah, I, I don't have any expectation that either of them are going to play. I mean, at the beginning of the week, John Harbaugh described them as week-to-week, uh, so you have that mm. right off the bat. And he even acknowledged that they could miss this game. When John Harbaugh acknowledges on a Monday that a player could miss that Sunday's game, you can guarantee he's going to miss that game and – Probably there's a decent bet that those guys might not be ready for week three. Even I mean they haven't been on the practice field. Uh, you know, if you looked at the injuries, Stanley didn't look too bad, and he was even able to stay on the sideline and, and just ice up his knee on the Ravens' sideline uh, in the fourth quarter of their Week One win. But uh, you know, as you know, Ronnie Stanley has an extensive injury history. At least it wasn't the ankle, but he hasn't. He generally hasn't been a guy that gets back from injuries. On the, on the early side of the timetable, so uh, I don't expect to see him. And Linderbaum, I mean, that, that looked, his ankle got bent back in a way that I think there was initial concern that this was a really serious injury, but the MRI looked, looked favorable in terms of, of a big picture, but probably, you know, I, I'm not expecting to see him either. Uh, you know, we'll see how these guys look for uh, week three, uh, whether they're able to get back on the practice field, but uh, at this point it looks like Patrick McCary starting at left tackle for Stanley, and Sam Mustafer, the former Chicago Bears starter who was on the Ravens practice squad, uh, elevated and starting in place of Linderbaum. That's what I'm expecting to see. Okay, not all doom and gloom on the offense. We'll get to the defensive uh, situation in a minute. But Zay Flowers, I love the dude at BC. Uh, he looked good last week. Might he actually be the number one wide receiver ahead of Odell? Uh, I mean, you look at the touches, you look at where Lamar Jackson was looking when they were throwing the football. It's hard not to feel that way, at least in the matchup that they saw against the Houston Texans, who, by the way, I think has an, I think they have an improved defense you know, under the Mecca mm-hmm. line. We'll see how that unfolds. Mm-hmm. But it was very clear that Lamar Jackson wanted to go to Zay Flowers. I think it's interesting to note that, that because we just talked about Mark Andrews being out, the Ravens did not have much presence over the middle of the field, and that's always been Lamar Jackson's bread and butter as a passer. It's throwing over the middle to his tight ends, and the backup tight ends were a non-factor. So, you know, if Andrews is back on the field, I'm, I'm curious to see what that looks like, but it's clear that they love Zay Flowers. It's clear that Todd Bunkin wanted to get him involved early. They ran a lot of underneath stuff. I'd like to see them 
try to push the ball downfield a little more, and obviously their offensive line situation is going to make that a, a big if uh, as far as their ability to do that. But it's clear that they love Zay Flowers' suddenness. They love his ability to make guys miss. Uh, I think it, going back to the J.K. Dobbins question, not that Zay Flowers is going to line up in the backfield, but he will be someone on some you know, some jet streaks, some, some different things like that where you get him the ball in, you know, in motion, things of that nature, where he can make people miss in, in the way that, that a healthy Dobbins can. So you know, I think that could be part of their picture in terms of guys that can make people miss, guys that have that upside. So uh, Zay Flowers, terrific debut, and I, I'm with you. Until we see otherwise, and I'm not dismissing Beckham, I'm not dismissing a, a healthy Rashad Bateman, but based on the way the Ravens operated with, with their passing game this past Sunday, Hard not to look at Bay Flowers and think that the Ravens at least have some very serious designs of him being their number one receiver. All right, flip this to the defense. Um, should we assume that Marlon Humphreys is out again? And do, we obviously know that Marcus Williams, unfortunately, is out for a while. How will the Ravens try to match up against the Bengals' passing game, which is not going to be as bad as it was last week in Cleveland? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly not going to be easy. And I think a real credit to Mike McDonald, their second-year defensive coordinator. You look at the Ravens, even in defeat in the last two games of last season, talking Week 18 and, of course, the wild-card round, they really held Joe Burrow in this Bengals defense, or Bengals offense in check. I mean, not that they shut him out entirely, but they really they were able to limit the big plays and really force Burrow to, to, to take what the defense gives him and drive down the field to sustain drives. And you kind of saw a lot of teams doing that against the Bengals early last year when they had their issues. But with no Marlon Humphrey, as you mentioned, he's still not practicing. Uh, he had mid-August foot surgery, so uh, he's definitely going to be out Sunday. Marcus Williams uh, is out a while. Uh, you know, uh, he's in de- out indefinitely because uh, he's got a pectoral injury where he might have surgery and could could end up missing most of the season. So even if you're playing cover two, even if you're playing zone, as the Ravens really transition to doing much more of that. Uh, with success against Burrow in this Bengals passing game. It is a different story when it's Geno Stone lining up uh, at free safety and backup. You know, he filled in for Marcus Williams last year and did a nice job, but doesn't give you the same playmaking ability. And uh, the Ravens last week at corner, they started started Ronald Darby, who for a late August pickup, who's 11 months removed from ACL surgery, played pretty darn well. And Brandon Stevens, who uh, is a third-year defensive back that's ping-pong back and forth between safety and corner. Uh, they played corner last week. But, of course, the Texans passing game uh, is not exactly the, the, the Cincinnati Bengals with the, the firepower they have at the wide receiver position. So they're going to have to play a lot of zones. They're going to have to hope that they can get home with their blitz and their simulated pressures and, and their pre-snap disguise, which they have done a good job doing against Bill Burrow. I think he's had more trouble against them than just about anyone uh, in his brief career. But, again, you have to have the personnel to carry that out. And uh, I think it's going to be a much more, you know, much bigger challenge for the Ravens to duplicate uh, what they were able to do defensively against the Bengals last year. Uh, you know, I, I guess the best thing I could say is at least you have Lamar Jackson <laughs> lining up on the other side of the yeah. football for the Ravens in Cincy, which they haven't had the last couple of years. That's true. In fact, I'm going to get to Lamar now. Uh, we're talking with Luke Jones, WNST, previewing the Ravens and the Bengals game on Sunday in Cincinnati. Lamar has had some issues against blitzes before. The offensive line situation you talked about. Lou Anarumo is certainly going to blitz. He's been known to do that quite a bit. So is that a big part or maybe the biggest part of the game on Sunday? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think certainly that's going to be a factor. I think the fact that the Ravens are down you know, at least two of their three, I, I'll, I'll give Kevin Zeitler a nod, but maybe their two best offensive linemen not playing. I think they're going to have to try to lean on their quick game. You know, we saw lots of quick short throws to Zay Flowers last week. I think they're going to have to try to do that again. I think they're going to have to try to figure out how to run the ball more effectively. And Cleveland was able to run it on Cincinnati, and in part because the Browns had a lead you know, throughout the game. But, uh, you know, I, I think – the, the, the challenge is uh, certainly you could see Cincinnati bring pressures and extra blitzers and all that, but you know, I think you just look at this Bengals front with Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson coming off the edges, DJ Reader ma- matching up against the backup center. I'm not sure the Bengals are going to need to do a whole lot of that. You know, I, I think they're probably going to be able to give the Ravens fits uh, with, with four. So uh, I think, mm-hmm. that, again, if you're the Ravens, ball's going to have to come out quick, whether it's against the blitz or against the four-man rush. And they're going to have to figure out a way to run the ball far more effectively than they did last week against the Texans. I mean, I just, if the Ravens are going to pull off a road victory in Cincinnati, they're going to have to find a way to run the ball. And, and look, that might be Lamar Jackson. For as much as the Bengals have done a pretty good job of limiting uh, this offense with Jackson on the field the last couple of years, even though we know he's missed some games, uh, he's still been able to run the ball and still get loose and make plays with his feet. So. I think it's going to be one of those types of games for the Ravens. I mean, you know, you got to be aggressive. You've got to keep them honest, certainly. But at the same time, I think it's a recipe for disaster if you just uh, you know, kind of sit back and Lamar with deep drops and standing in the pocket and allowing Hendrickson and Hubbard to tee off on him potentially. You know, back to the defense for one more quick thing here. You know, when we talked in August, uh, you know, we talked a lot about the lack of a pass rush possibly. So how do you stand on that now? Uh, you know, it's about the same. Uh, I think, I mean, the, the nice thing is I don't know if we had talked uh, from the time that the Ravens added to Davion Clowney. I mean, we know that Clowney, in a big picture sense, has never lived up to the guy that he was, come, you know, being the number one overall pick in 2014. We know he's had a lot of injuries. But – he is someone that was disruptive last week. In fact, he wh- could have had two different sacks, uh, and he whiffed. And you know, I know he was lamenting about that after the game, but uh, it's still a work in progress. I think the most encouraging sign from week one was actually Adafi Owe, their 2021 first-round pick. He did not have a sack, but he had a boatload of pressures and quarterback hits. He was very disruptive. Albeit, again, the Texans' offensive line was really banged up, but uh, he was even able to be disruptive uh, against uh, Trump, you know, Trump's a tackle. So, I mean, that's, you know, that was some progress. Uh, we'll see what it looks like against this Bengals offensive line. Certainly the Ravens know Orlando Brown Jr., their new left tackle very well from his days in Baltimore. Uh, so uh, that's still a question for me. But I, as we saw last week, what the Ravens were able to do, you know, they, they blitzed their inside linebackers. Patrick Queen had a sack. Uh, Roquan Smith had a sack. You know, the Ravens will blitz Kyle Hamilton on occasion, although certainly they have to maybe rethink that a little bit given where they are at safety right now. But, you know, they're, they're very much a team that at this point, until they show otherwise, yeah, you don't have a ton of confidence in their ability to, to get home with four. But Mike McDonald has shown, shown the creativity to, even if he's not going to blitz as much as Wink Martindale did, the Ravens' previous key coordinator, he'll, he'll do some sim pressures and, and some different stunts and, uh, there'll be times where the Ravens will send four. You just don't know which four they're sending at the line of scrimmage. And uh, that's something, like I said, they've had some success doing that against Joe Burrow. And, uh, you know, they're, they're going to have to pick their spots uh, because they're dealing with some backups uh, on the back end of the defense. But uh, they're still going to pick their spots to be aggressive and try to confuse Burrow as much as they can pre-snap. But in a big-picture sense, Bob, yeah, 
uh, that pass rush is still uh, a question in my mind. Okay. Um, I only got about 30 seconds here, unfortunately. The rest of the segment, I've kind of uh... – you know, mis- mishandled some of these, you know, my, my approach here. So it's on my, it's on me. Uh, but uh, bottom line, do they win? Do the Bengals win on Sunday at Cincinnati? I'm picking Cincinnati. I mean, I would have picked them anyway. I mean, it's an AFC North road game. Cincinnati's had their number. But Lamar Jackson's on the field. Even last year, without Lamar Jackson on the field, the Ravens played them so tough in that wild card round. Yeah. So I like Cincinnati at you know, 24-20, something along those lines. But if the Ravens find a way, if Lamar as it you know, puts on the, the Superman cape, as he's apt to do when he's healthy, you never know. But tough to pick against the Bengals, considering just how banged up the Ravens are already here in week two. Luke, always good talking to you. Sorry about my bad clock management here, so I'll do better next time. Thanks. All, all good, Bob. Always good to talk to you. Take care. Luke Jones, WNSTN.net in uh, Baltimore. So uh, check out all his work, which is extensive. So thanks to Luke, as always. All right, next segment, your time for phone calls if you want to get in in this hour, 602-260-1060. Time pending, depending on the phone call volume or maybe lack thereof, Uh, but hopefully not lack thereof. Uh, We'll get to some local roundup. We'll get to some Cardinals, Sun Devils, and Wildcats point spread updates and uh, at least a little bit on the Diamondbacks' loss, the latest loss to the Mets yesterday as they lose the last three games in New York. They're done with the Mets. Now, most teams this year are saying, bring on the Mets. The Diamondbacks won no part of the Mets. They won one game uh, this season against the Mets. Not good. They were 1-6 against the lowly Mets. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlux HD 2 100.7. SAM 1060 is the home to the Dan Patrick Show, the Doug Gottlieb Show, and Sports Map Radio. Catch all the sports content here on AM 1060. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kappa, KDUS AM 1060, and KSLX HD2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time 602-260-1060. And uh, if you want to get in, Get in right now. Meanwhile, topping today's local roundup, the Cardinals dropped to uh, you know four-point favorites in most worldwide locations uh, for the uh, Sunday home opener against the Giants. Giants left tackle Andrew Thomas with a hamstring and also tied in Darren Waller with a hamstring. They didn't practice on Wednesday, but they were limited participants on Thursday. Meanwhile, ASU, a three-point home underdog on Saturday, Saturday night against Fresno State, the Bulldogs 2-0. They had a road win at Purdue uh, in uh, week one. And then they kind of struggled to beat Eastern Washington. Not kind of. They struggled to beat Eastern Washington in a letdown spot. I'm going to use that as an excuse in week two. And believe it or not, uh, Fresno State has the second longest winning streak in college football. Meanwhile, the U of A, an 18-point favorite on Saturday night at home against UTEP which is uh, UTEP's playing his third road game of the season. This is their fourth game overall. They lost in week zero at Jacksonville State, coached by former U of A head coach Rich Rodriguez. He's the Jacksonville State guy. And Jacksonville State's in Alabama, by the way, and not in Florida. And also uh, 
Uh, you know, UTEP lost last week. They got routed last week at Northwestern, which seemed to be a completely inept team the week before against against Rutgers. All right. Also in the local roundup, the Diamondbacks lost again to the Mets uh, Thursday uh, afternoon. It was 11 to one was the final score. The Diamondbacks, uh, you know, win one game of the season series against the Mets. Uh, they've now lost eight, uh, excuse me, 19 of their last 23 meetings against Buck Showalter's team, which isn't very good, at least this year. On uh, Thursday, the Diamondbacks, uh, you know, at one point they trailed seven to zero and had one hit, uh, so they weren't competitive. I think is proper phrase. Uh, Zach Gallon and Merrill Kelly clobbered the last two days. On Wednesday, Gallon allowed seven runs, six earned, in just five innings, gave up nine hits, two walks, four strikeouts, threw 90 pitches to get 15 outs. Uh, on Thursday, Kelly in five innings, allowed seven runs, all earned, and he did 98 pitches to get 15 outs, and only 66 of those were strikes. Uh, Kelly walked the first three hitters, uh, and uh, two of them scored in the fourth inning. Uh, he also allowed four more runs when Jonathan Aruz, I'm just pronouncing his, I got Jonathan right, A-R-A-U-Z, uh, hit a grand slam in the five-run fifth inning for the Mets. Meanwhile, Carbon Carroll, the Diamondbacks' best hitter since the All-Star break, after sitting out Wednesday, was back in the lineup, and he had a hit, his only hit of the four-game series in New York. Uh, Gabriel Moreno back from the maternity leave, but he was 0 for 3. Christian Walker had the road trip from hell. He was 0 for 3 on Thursday. He is uh, he ended up 3 for 31 in the four games at Chicago and the four games at New York. Uh, Gerardo Perdomo, 0 for 3. He's now 3 for his last 32. Uh, the Diamondbacks, after playing Thursday in New York, Begin a three-game series tonight against the Cubs at Chase Field, which is in Arizona. That's a cross-country flight. Uh, but uh, the, certainly I don't think the Cubs are feeling sorry about the Diamondbacks' schedule because the Cubs, before yesterday, they had an off day yesterday. Before that, they had played 27 games in 27 days. They went 16-11 and 11 in those 27 games, but they are 2-5 and five in their last seven games. The Cubs, of course, lost three out of four last weekend to the Diamondbacks at Wrigley Field, included in that last seven games. Scheduled pitching matchups for this weekend. Tonight at 640, it's Justin Steele, who should win the NL Cy Young Award. I've been saying this for several weeks now. He's now 16-3 and with a 249 run average for a team that right now is in the postseason. Brandon Fott goes for the Diamondbacks. He's actually been much better on the road than he has been at home. Collectively, he's 1-8 and eight with a 625 earned run average for the season. Tomorrow night at 510, it's Kyle Hendricks, uh, who is 6-7 with a 371 earned run average against Zach Davies, 2-5 with a 681 earned run average. Then on Sunday, it's a, the time is there's been a time change in this game. It's a 4-10 first pitch on Sunday because it's the ESPN Sunday night baseball game. And the last I looked this morning, it's TBA versus TBA as far as starting pitchers go. Meanwhile, back, uh, continuing with the Major League theme here, a little on the NL wild card. Uh, the Reds finally lost to the Tigers yesterday. Uh, Reese Olsen, who might be a pretty good pitcher for the Tigers. Unfortunately, every time they have a pretty good pitcher, he eventually gets hurt. Uh, hopefully that does not happen to Reese Olsen, but he shut down the Reds yesterday. The Tigers beat the Reds 8-2. Uh, at Detroit, 
next up for the Reds, uh, Hunter Green takes the mound. He heralded for, you know, you know, second-year pitcher who, as uh, I've said it many times, it actually looks like he's more suited to be a closer than a number one starter or even a starter in any rotation. But he'll start the opener of a three-game series against the Mets in New York uh, starting tonight. And uh, that's uh, the, uh, the the next three games for the uh, for the Reds this weekend are against the the Mets in New York, who are hot because they just destroyed the Diamondbacks the last three days. Meanwhile, the Giants last night were rained out at Colorado. They're going to play a doubleheader on Saturday because it looks like it might rain again today in Colorado. If it gets rained out today, I assume that they would have to play a doubleheader Saturday and Sunday. Uh, and then they are here next week, so that could benefit the Diamondbacks if the Giants have to play, you know, f- four games in two days uh, before they come to Arizona. Meanwhile, the Marlins lost yesterday at Milwaukee. Tyron Taylor uh, was kind of the key to that game with some uh, daring base running as the Brewers win four to two over uh, the Miami Marlins. Next up for the Mar- well, you know, one other quick thing about Milwaukee. Christian Yelich has now missed six consecutive games with a back problem. Remember, he's had back problems for the last few years. He actually had back surgery at one point. I think it was in like 2020 or 21. Uh, so they said, Craig Council said that they expect Yelich to be back in the lineup today. But that's something to definitely monitor moving forward, especially if you're a big fan of Milwaukee like me because I think that they're the biggest threat to beat the Braves of any team in baseball, let alone the National League. Meanwhile, up next, as far as the Marlins are concerned, uh, they go home and they play the Braves. And the Braves have at least clinched the division, so maybe they'll start resting some of their guys. Uh, Johnny Cueto is scheduled to pitch tonight for the Marlins in that first game of the uh, three-game series in Miami. All right, coming up next, we'll have a news update with Corey. That'll be followed by the conclusion of today's Sports Zone with the National Roundup. That will include a little bit uh, from The Wire, um, uh, headlines across America, kind of a mix there. And uh, we might get to some of the Major League Baseball scoreboard. Uh, We definitely will for some of it, at least from yesterday. And then time pending, a little on the NFL for the upcoming weekend, a little latest line action on a couple of games at least. And, uh, of course, we'll have much more on all that uh, in the next two hours during the Extra Point hosted by Kayla, so stay tuned for that. You are listening to The Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on this Friday on KSLX, and uh, actually I should say KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD 2 100.7. Interact with Bob Kemp's poll question on KDUS1060.com. That's KDUS1060.com. And while you're there, check out Bob Kemp's bottom line at KDUS1060.com. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back. Final segment today. Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. Another classic off-air discussion with myself and Kayla. All right, rip from the headlines and a little from the wire action combination of things. Around the NFL, Travis Kelsey returned to the Chiefs practice, was not even limited in the Thursday practice report, so I guess he's going to play this week. 
against Jacksonville, and he destroyed Jacksonville last year in their two in their two meetings. Meanwhile, in college football, suspended Michigan State coach Mel Tucker uh, continues to vehemently deny the claims that he sexually harassed Brenda Tracy. Uh, so I'm sure that's something that will be covered tomorrow on all the college pregame shows, etc. Uh, plus, uh, they host Washington this week, and that's a one of the many nationally televised games that may not be very good. Meanwhile, around Major League Baseball, the Marlins taking a day-to-day. I should have mentioned this in the last segment, my bad, but better late than never. Taking a day-to-day with uh, Sandy Alcantara, uh, Skip Schumacher said on Wednesday, uh, that uh, you know, the strained right you know, UCL, it is a day-to-day proposition. Okay, well, hopefully that's true. That sounds like he might pitch again this year. Uh, Blue Jays' third baseman, Matt Chapman, was activated off the injured list, but it didn't help because they lost again last night to the Rangers. And uh, impressive Yankees rookie outfielder Jason Dominguez played like for two weeks, unfortunately, only for a couple of weeks. He's expected now to miss eight to ten months after he uh, had reconstructed, he's going to actually have reconstructive elbow surgery next week. All right, a little Major League Baseball from last night. The Rays won the first of the four-game series at Baltimore. Luke Rayleigh, a tie-breaking home run in the seventh inning. And the uh, Tampa Bay bullpen, which I trashed yesterday, uh, they were great again, and they've been really great lately. More on that in a moment. Uh, Tampa Bay wins 4-3. Against the Orioles yesterday, the first of a four-game series at Baltimore. Uh, so now the Rays are within a, uh, a game of the first-place Orioles in the American League East. Uh, as far as that bullpen goes, uh, they've now thrown 34 consecutive scoreless innings. <laughs> That's really good, needless to say. As far as the Orioles, Ryan Mountcastle with the shoulder injury, uh, not able to play again on, uh, on Thursday. And uh, he's like day-to-day, according to Brandon Hyde. He'll see what happens with that. They need him in the lineup. He's been a good player for them for a couple years. Today, it is Zach Eflin uh, scheduled to go for Tampa Bay against Jack Flaherty uh, for the Orioles. Flaherty's had some good and some bad uh, since he became an Orioles pitcher at the trade deadline. By the way, big day in Baltimore today. They're going to have a huge pregame celebration uh, for uh, Adam Jones, longtime Oriole, who's going to, quote, officially retire from pro baseball. He actually played in Japan for a while, too, after he left the major leagues. Meanwhile, the Rangers outscored the Rays 35-9 to during their four-game sweep at Toronto. Last night, it was Corey Seager homering and driving in three runs. Jonah Heim hit a solo homer. And uh, once again, uh, the Blue Jays did pretty much nothing offensively, which is becoming a common theme for them. In addition, uh, Kevin Gossman was bad, and that has not happened very often this year for Toronto. So Texas is now guaranteed of its first winning season since 2016. They sweep the A4 game series on the road. Uh, first time they've done it against anybody since Baltimore when the Orioles were really bad in 2019. So Texas now one and a half games behind Seattle uh, in the third uh, wild card spot there. Uh, but you know, right now they're in the playoffs. Uh, Tampa Bay, of course, is the top wild card right now. Injury news, good news for the Rangers here injury-wise, and they need some of that. Uh, Josh Young, who's been out for a while, 
uh, with the fractured left thumb. He expected to return on Monday, uh, the opener of a four-game series at home in Arlington against Boston. Uh, that according to Bruce Bochy. Uh, so tonight, uh, Texas plays at uh, Cleveland against the uh, the uh, Guardians. Almost said the Commanders. <laughs> the Guardians. Uh, John Gray goes tonight for the Rangers, and he's been the definition of a hit-or-miss proposition on the season, though he has a 396 earned run average. But it's uh, I'm sure that they would like it if he were a little more consistent from start to start, and they kind of knew what they were getting. Uh, Toronto now goes to uh, Boston to play a three-game series, and uh, you know, it's not been a good situation for Toronto against division opponents all season long, so we'll see if they uh, get better at that after they just got destroyed at home in this four-game series by the Rangers. All right, some uh, updated line information here. I'm looking right now pretty much everywhere worldwide for the most part, most places. Uh, the Cardinals are now down to a four-point favorite. Uh, in the game on Sunday. This game was as high as six earlier this week against the Giants, the opener, the Cardinals' home opener. The uh, primetime game on Sunday night, Miami. Uh, Consensus-wise, a three-point favorite at New England against the Patriots. Then the doubleheader on Monday night. Uh, New Orleans, a three-point favorite at Carolina. And Cleveland is a two-and-a-half-point road favorite at Pittsburgh. So three teams in the primetime. Sunday night and then two games on Monday, and the road team is favored in all three of them. Huh, see how that goes. Uh, stay tuned. The next two hours will be the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. That include previews of the top NFL and college games, plus our weekly NFL prop bet segment. Phone call time, 602-260-1060. Stay tuned. The Extra Point's coming up next. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thank you very much for listening. 